Welcome to the Caregiver's Toolbox, tools for everyday caregiving. We provide education and information on senior care topics. Here's your host, Ryan McGinnis. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Caregiver's Toolbox, Tools for Everyday Caregiving, where we give you information and education about senior care topics. My name is Ryan McAniff. I am the owner of Minute Women Home Care, and I am here with my trusty co-pilot, Janet. Janet, how are you? I am living the dream, Ryan. Good. and Excellent. And (laughs) Janet is the director of client care here. She is a dementia expert and overall um, has a lot of good insight when it comes to senior care, both professionally and personally. And so, with that being said, we're going to talk about something that's more on the negative side of things. I guess it would be considered a negative. It's 10 times where home care, private home care, cannot help you. And we're not going to be able to do it. So, let's get into the first and most obvious one that I know you already think about. It's called medicine. We cannot give you medicine. Unfortunately, you we can remind you of medicine, but we mm-hmm. cannot provide it to a loved one. Explain this, Janet. Okay, we cannot, a a caregiver cannot um, take medication out of a prescription bottle. Um, And they can, if you put it in a pillbox, they can hand someone the pillbox. If you have someone that there's no confusion, but maybe they have bad arthritis in their hands, yes, they can loosen the cap, but we cannot pour out a tablespoon of cough syrup or things like that. We can talk to them, we can guide them, but we cannot give medicine. So, and, and, you know, this is because our caregivers are trained to be non-medical providers. We are there to help with personal care, to, you know, making sure somebody who has dementia is safe, making sure people that have fall mm-hmm. issues don't fall. And if something does go wrong, there's somebody in the house, like the lifeguard analogy that we use, that is there to help out when something goes wrong. So uh, often, you know, we'll find out that, not often, but Sometimes we'll find out that suppositories are being done or in, not injections as much, but we can't do injections, but like diabetes, they'll ask if we can do diabetes checks, um, crushing pills or manually giving pills to people, put them in their mouth. It's something, unfortunately, that yeah. at least in the state of Massachusetts, I'm sure there's regulation state by state. We just can't do that. Um, we are able to give at end of life hospice medications, mainly pre-drawn syringes. Um, that's an area where we have... And those are liquids under the tongue. Yep. That's a, it, If you think of it in terms of invasive, something that you would stick or put into someone's body, that's something that caregivers can't do. So it's the diabetic sh- syringe, things like that. Absolutely. And so that kind of leads to the second one is as medical care. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not allowed to provide medical care. And I know it sounds, it sounds um, rather silly. Like you have, uh, you know, going back to the first one with medicines, you have medicated um, ointments or medicated um, uh, uh, lotions. You know, that's lotions and potions. Yeah, that's technically stuff that we're not supposed to be doing. And another an example of, you know, like medical care is open wounds. Um, you know, you know, I understand that if somebody gets a nick or a cut, there's probably being a Band-Aid put on there. But you're, we're talking about when somebody has a laceration, skin tears, things that can get very easily infected mm-hmm. that we just can't touch that because what you can do as a family member 
we can't do because we have liabilities involved, we have insurance involved, right. and things like that. Yeah, we tell the, the staff that they observe and report, they don't assess and treat. Because if there's a wound, they don't know if the splinter is still in there. They don't know if it's a burn. They don't know what ointments are appropriate. In some cases, there aren't any. And, you know, to your point, if someone has a severe cut or a problem, are they going to take something, apply pressure, get 911? Of course they are. But the idea of just treating or they say, well, you know, the nurse is only coming out once a week from the visiting nurse, but we need you to change that dressing three times a week. We can't do that because there's a judgment that the nurse makes as to is the wound looking good or not. Absolutely. And so when you're dealing with medical professionals, things can change on a week-to-week basis and you can't expect a uh, untrained home health aide, meaning they're trained to be a home health aide or a CNA, right. but they're not trained to know the medical side of things to- the medical judgment of- Judgment yeah. and jargon and information. I mean, when you when you look at the, when you go into a house and, and if you've never- been there, it's it might be tough to imagine, but we walk into houses where you have, you know, dozens, 30, 40 different medications that Shoebox are on full, a, right on, on the a kitchen counter. Kitchen counter. I mean, it's it's and 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 that doesn't mean they're all being taken at once. It might be expired. It might be might be the neighbors. It, it can be all different <laughs> things, and so you know that's where things can change rapidly when you're an older adult. One minute you're you're happy and healthy, and you're walking down the road doing your every morning. Uh, speed walking and a few weeks later something can happen where you're you're bed bound and because of that that's where you need those medical professionals yeah and just a, a quick example that I use with the staff and I use with a lot of folks to try and explain this is they'll say well you know my mom twisted her ankle why can't they put an ace bandage on yeah but somebody can have those those ted support stockings and the simple fact is when you put an ACE bandage on, there's a determination how much stretch should be in it. Do you pull it too tight or pull it too loose? When you have those medical stockings, a caregiver can put those on because the doctor's decided what size. Sure. The judgment isn't there on the part of the aide. Absolutely. And so the next one that we'll go into is is care for two people. And what I mean by this is, is, is truly providing care for two people, meaning that, um, you know, a lot of times we'll we'll go into a home and we're there for the husband and then the, the 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 wife starts to deteriorate and then you know the families are thinking this is going to be a two for one and it's one it's not two there's an upcharge for caring for a second person but one of the the things that's difficult about caring for two people is on a long enough timeline um it's no longer going to be feasible for one person to handle two people. Mm -hmm. And, and what I'm talking about is when two people are either fall risks or two people have dementia where they no longer have safety awareness. Yep. Yep. One, one caregiver can't care for two people at the same time. And, you know, it becomes a very rare occurrence, very rare when one household has two separate caregivers dedicated to two individuals in that house. I mean, you're talking about a huge sum of money that's being spent on a daily basis, monthly basis, yearly, however you want to do that. Yeah. And and it's the safety awareness that's the issue. And you know, if you're if you're making scrambled eggs, making an extra tablespoon of scrambled eggs is not necessarily yeah, a big doing deal. Doing an extra you know? thing of laundry is not a big deal. Right. But if you need to be watching one person because they're not safe in the shower and the other one's not safe and they're at the stove, you have an issue. 
Absolutely. And so, you know, one person can't be at two places at once. So there is there's a level in which we can be in there, right? We've and we're, we've been in there plenty of times caring for two people. But, you know, one, the family has to know that if an accident happens, it's not necessarily a negligence. It's not because of negligence. It's right. because, you know, we're, we're caring for one person, the other person's upstairs doing something. And then and then, of course, secondly, you know, it's one of those situations where families then finally realize like, hey, listen, we need to figure out a solution to this problem because this this solution is no longer working. And does that mean that we get two caregivers, which is rare? Or does it mean that we just, somebody has to go to a nursing home or two people have to go to a nursing home? Mm-hmm. What's the new solution for this? Because um, it becomes very, very stressful for everybody involved because, you know, the agency doesn't want to do a bad job. The caregiver feels guilty about it. And yeah. then the family members are, are the adult children are upset, right? And they, right. they don't, they probably made a promise not to put somebody in a nursing home, but they know that this isn't working, but you know, it's, and then all of a sudden you're in the situation of Russian roulette and then you're back to square one before you had a caregiver where you're waiting yep. for that phone call from somebody that something bad had happened with mom. Yep. And now every time the phone rings, you're wondering, is this the call? Yep. You you're know, sleeping with one eye open. Exactly. When you were hiring a company to alleviate you of that stress. Yep. So, or at least alleviate you of most of that stress. There's always that chance, but you you feel mm-hmm. more comfortable that their eyes and ears are on somebody. And then number four, and this is something that's very particular state to state, but it does tie into um, caring for two people is is just having one caregiver. Like that's never really going to happen when you need a decent amount of care. Um, in Massachusetts, we can't work anybody more than 40 hours a week without paying them overtime. And very rarely do do families want to pay ongoing overtime. It happens all the time with, you know, a few hours here or one shift or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. But when it's ongoing, I mean, you're, you're, it's a, it's costly out in California, for example, you can't work anybody more than eight hours in a shift without um, paying them overtime. So the days of being able to have one caregiver in there are pretty much long gone, assuming you want a legitimate company with insurance and bonding. Right. And, you know, obviously, if you're paying somebody under the table, it's a totally different scenario there. But for us as a, as a, as a, you know, an agency that does uh, that is in good standing like we just can't do that because of laws and you know and they're basically meant to not abuse the caregivers certainly they're they're meant to not abuse the caregivers without a doubt but that doesn't that doesn't we've been propositioned by many caregivers saying, we have just don't pay me overtime i just want the at more hours and mm-hmm. it's like i'm sorry that's not we'll save them from themselves yeah, absolutely <laughs> um and so then and then i'll let you talk about this one um is number five is is hiring your hiring your loved one that's your caregiver. Yeah. Um, you know, to hire someone, you, you need to have that professional separation, if you will. Um, and with, uh, especially with home care, family can do whatever they feel they need to do for a client. We have to follow guidelines. There is what's technically called a scope of practice, things people can and cannot do. When you start blurring those lines, crazy things can happen and liability issues can happen. And, you know, if it's a family member, when have they got their family hat on and when do they have their uh, professional caregiver hat on? And that can get really messy. 
Yeah, and to explain it a little bit better, not that you didn't explain it well, but explain the circumstance better, we'll get calls from people that say, hey, you know what? It started out that my my daughter was taking a couple shifts uh, a week or maybe even a couple shifts a month off from work, and I would reimburse her for that time. Mm-hmm. And now it's getting to the point that they're working for me 20 or 30 hours a week, and I keep paying them cash, but... They're also concerned that since this isn't on the books, it needs to be taxable. They're breaking the law. I'm breaking the law. And obviously, getting past the law, there's also ramifications like if you're looking to buy a car, they want to see proof of income. And so if your mm-hmm. your income's under the table, there's no way of proving that you, you have this income. And so that's the circumstance where we'll get calls from people that say, can you hire – can we just put your – can we just put our daughter on your payroll and we'll give you X amount of dollars as an upcharge for doing it? And the answer there is always no. Um, And it, and it's just what you said is like, you don't know when somebody's a caregiver, when they're a loved one. And then if something goes wrong, it's just going to be, there's way too much liability involved with that. There's just way too much. I mean, there are programs, I can't speak to other States, but in Massachusetts, there is the ability for some uh, level of compensation for a family member that's caring for someone. but um, And you can go to just the, the government website and look that up. And I would assume that other states have some of those things too. But that's really the only good way, I think, to do that. Gotcha. Yeah, no, and... And there, there used to be a there used to be a company in Massachusetts that that did that. It was called Hire Family, and I'm just looking at their uh, trying to go to their website right now. But I don't know if they're in business anymore because their website's not loading. So maybe maybe they went out of business. But there are companies out there that, for a fee, will basically be your payroll processing company on a, a smaller scale, yeah. and then they'll be able to take out all the FICA, all the the statutory benefits, while also paying for your your loved one and, and whatnot. So um, that's an area that we just can't touch because you, it just it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen in yep. some case. Um, another one that happens that maybe people don't hear about as much, and certainly if it's probably happened to somebody you know, but it's not really talked about because it can be very embarrassing, is combative or violence when it comes to dementia. I mean, obviously there can be violence when in, in general, but usually dementia is, is where you have issues where you know, we've had people that are driving somebody um, to and from a location and then they grab the steering wheel, grab the steering wheel mm-hmm. or they hit the caregiver or whatever it might be. And that's just kind of a, you know, it's it, if it's not a one strike and you're out, it's definitely two strikes and you're out. There's usually no third. So sometimes it's like, hey, you know, maybe it was the circumstances, blah, blah, blah. You know, if mm-hmm. it was just like grabbing the caregiver that rather than actually, but, you know. And that's a flag right there. But. It's a flag, unfortunately. And, and for families, usually that, that kind of means they're going down the road of needing to go into a, a SNF, a long-term rehab center. Um, but that's something where combative or, or violence can't really be condoned. Yeah, and I think most agencies, I know we certainly do, you look into what was the cause of that situation. And sometimes it can be a, a simple issue of a medication uh, or somebody just came out UTIs, of a facility. Right? UTI is a notorious. So where it's something like that, then the plan becomes how yeah. do we and, and how do we keep our eyes open for something like that again. But there are certain uh, forms of dementia and all that aggressiveness is is sadly part of the course. And 
that's not always a good situation for. No. And it, it's unfortunate because the family's really embarrassed by it because, yep. of, you know, there's a 99.99% chance that person was was very rarely like that. You know, they weren't a violent person when they were mm-hmm. uh, cognitively all there. But, you know, things have changed and, you know, that's, that's the way it is. But uh, the first and foremost, we have to make sure our caregivers are going into a safe yes. work environment. And, it can be things like PTSD for people. And yeah. I've worked with clients that, you know, towards their later stage in life, as they're looking at way back in memory and all, they're remembering the war they were in. And that can cause aggression. Yeah. And so this, this one, I'm just going to combine them, even though I list them out. So maybe it's more like seven things. Um, is hoarding and filth situations, right? Yep. Have you ever been in? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think uh, one of my more outstanding stories was to go into a house and, I mean, you walked in the door and the chair fit there and there was a little table, but um, this person literally lived in one room and the other rooms of the apartment were just filled to the gills with stuff. And to the filth side, I went into the bathroom with a coat hanger and just kind of swirled it around like I was making cotton candy at the fair and getting the cobwebs out of the room. And you tr- you feel bad for the person. This is something they're embarrassed by, but it it's a challenge. Absolutely. And it's, it's a situation where there is no stereotypical hoarder or somebody that lives in filth. Mm-hmm. I've walked into million-dollar homes that are... That's tr- right. That are... Uh, are, are in terrible condition, and I've walked into, uh, you know, affordable housing units that are immaculate. Yep. Um, you know, so there's no. It's not an economic thing. No, it's no. it's uh, definitely a mental thing, um, and so at the end of the day, like, well, we've gone out to um, houses where you know I've stepped in and, you know, I, I very politely have said, you know, I I really appreciate you coming out. Um, but the condition that this house is in, I can't, as the owner of this company, uh, recommend any of my caregivers going out to because it's it's in a it's in disarray and it needs to be completely cleaned before there's a yeah. that opportunity. And, and sometimes it's it's a depression issue thing, and I don't mean depression in terms of a person being depressed. I mean the Great Depression when this country was was struggling and people didn't throw anything away and people will revert back to that and there are other people that actually have a medical condition and uh, I think there's even a TV show called Hoarders and there are companies out there that not only have people that will come in to help clean but they also have people with the psych background to help work with that person because Mm -hmm. it's traumatic to just scoop up and take the stuff out of their house absolutely yeah you can't do that it's it's a it's much more of a process than just like you know you know like I remember when my uncle passed away when I was younger and I remember my parents uh, being like you know he had a he lived up in New Hampshire and he had a big barn apparently that was just full of junk like and they were like as far as we were concerned like the best thing to do is just Strike get a, a match you know, yeah get a gallon <laughs> of gas and just light that thing up yeah. but you you know he would have never allowed anything like that to happen because everything every little doohickey in there's they, they got a plan for it yeah and so you know and then and then when you talk about filth i won't get too disgusting but it's you know one of the common things that happens with filth is maybe like there are animals in the house mm-hmm. and the owner has just stopped picking up after the animals like the animals just urinate and defecate in the house and well, the dog got elderly and became incontinent just like their owner or you know i've even seen it when not they're just 
they don't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, but there, those are those are areas where it's like, hey, listen, this, this, you know, this needs to be changed. Like this is a situation that, um, that that has a lot of that. So, you know, unfortunately, like that's that's you know something that as a family member you should be cognizant of. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, we've walked I've walked into houses where like it's a Harvard. A professor and he's got like paperwork everywhere, <laughs> right, right. you know, because he's he still thinks he's going to finish that research paper on something. You know, that's that's one different story when somebody has stuff. Yeah. Like when there's clutter everywhere, where you know somebody is interested in certain things, then that's fine. But uh, you know, it it really needs to be there. Needs to be at least you know the bathroom, the kitchen, and the living room need to be in in shape that a caregiver can can work in and, yeah. and, and like that, you know. And to your uh, to your point about it, it's embarrassing to family because they feel they're being judged by this this mess. And, you know, agencies such as ours, we, we're not um, assigning that to the family. It's like you you don't intentionally want them living this way either. Oh, of course not. So, but we, we have to be sensitive about the fact that it's hard on the, the client and the family. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And uh, and and more than likely, the the adult daughter or the adult son has been trying to get their parents to change for years, if not decades. You know, yep. like we need. You know, I'm sure there's been hundreds of times where they've been like, we need to get this going. We need to do this, and they refuse to do it. And then, unfortunately, you know, that's when you know the you board know, of health is joining the health, conversation. Yeah, board of health gets involved. Elder services get involved because you know, and it just becomes a complete complete mess but um and then the final one that that everybody should think about um and not not everybody i'm sure they're playing but some people should think about is abuse and respect to the staff and to the office staff we've we've certainly uh made our fair share of mistakes or caregivers have made their Mm -hmm. fair share of mistakes and there is a difference between coming in and having a strongly worded conversation or uh, even there being some raised voices where people are upset or frustrated. That's just part of business and working together as, as human beings. There are disagreements um, and there are times that we just need to, you know, go into a room and we know that we're going to be a punching bag for a few minutes. And that's mm-hmm. one thing. Um, it's another thing when it's, when it's being disrespectful, when it's being abusive, when there's, you know, extreme rage involved and, and anger and, and just somebody that's uh, that's just being um, nasty, if you will. Yeah, and and there could be, you know, you listen to me ad nauseum talk about the comparison between elderly and and little kids, and you know, your when your parents become your kids, it's a whole brave new world. And if your parents are the kind that feel that they shouldn't need the help, they will tell fiblets about caregivers. They'll say, oh. Sh- they hit me. They were rough. They were mean to me. And you undoubtedly, as a, a family member who thinks they put a sweet person in the house, want to call up and say, what are you doing to my mom? You know, and um, and that's just, as as you would say, part of the gig. It's, yeah. it's what we deal with. But um, at the same time, you know, these caregivers yep. aren't going in to be mean. No, and, and listen, you know? if there if that was a real situation, and that situation does happen where caregivers can be abusive and caregivers um, that's right you know i think you know 
I think that happens in, in certain scenarios, like when there's not as much oversight involved, right. when it's just one caregiver that has full access to a house and there's no oversight, whatever, that's where uh, people get taken advantage of. That's mm-hmm. where abuses can, can occur. But that's not to say it, in theory, couldn't happen with us. I mean, it, it's somebody could lose their temper and, and do something horribly poor judgment. There is that human side. That, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the the thing is, is that, you know, if you're unhappy with with somebody, then there's a way to, to go about that. And, um, you know, there's a way to treat caregivers. There's a way to treat other people. And, uh, and usually families know that we're all in this together and we're all trying to make the best of a mm-hmm. difficult situation. Um, but, you know, it's something that as a home care company and as an owner, uh, you know, we just can't accept and if it gets to a point where you know it's like to me it's three strikes and you're out you know we'll give you two you're having two bad days a third one we'll see you later yeah and i think you know you would agree that there are if someone has an issue we want to hear from them oh yeah you know and there are so many things that can be nipped in the bud and it was a misunderstanding of where to put something yeah it can be that silly but that's that's not the intention of that we can't have a tough conversation and that we can't uh, take criticism or we can't improve on things. Um, we've had we've had customers in the past that I don't think will um, uh, tolerate in the future that have 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 gone above and beyond what's what would be acceptable to treating one person the way it is. And unfortunately, that's the situation where one uh, bad apple spoils the bunch or or mm-hmm. one um, one bad situation can, have uh, lasting effects on somebody. So, I yep. mean, it's it's the same thing as, you know, the other way around. Like, you know, when we go into a house, we want to have a really good first impression and first experience with people because, you know, that might sets be the, the tone. It sets the tone moving forward. So if we can go a week or two without any major issues, not that major issues should happen every week or two, but if we can get off the, the ground without any major issues, yep. then that sets the Settle tone for future. If a, a big disaster occurs, it's not only ruining our reputation with Minute Women, but it's also making the, the, the adult children's lives that much harder because even though there might be another five other agencies that are ready to step up to the plate, mom and dad have said, no way, we're not going through that again. That's right. And so that's kind of, you know, the, the tick to tack for, for... This is a trust business. Absolutely. So anyways, Janet, thank you very much for your insight. And thank you all very much for listening. It's very much appreciated, and we will catch you on the next one. Have a good day.